evening and welcome to Newsnight. In the next 60 minutes, Northeast Regional Minister calls for Yana's intervention in Wenchike and Tripuni communal conflict as troubled communities displaces more than 600 residents. I'm here to condole with them, share with them the difficult times they are going through. Give them assurance that we stand with them. Those behind this action will be punished. Also tonight, I want to assure political parties that any evidence that you have of any alleged wrongdoing at any level of the process, whether it's at the polling unit or at coalition level, please forward this information. And I promise you, as soon as the process is concluded, we'll then do the review as provided by law. Tonight, INEC debunks claims of overvoting and manipulation of the process as results from Nigeria elections continue to trickle in. You have promised Nigeria 68 times that beavers will work. It is surprising that political parties who are supposed to be fighting now are in unison saying the same thing. We are not in unison with them. We have details as political parties stage a walkout of the national coalition process after their request for the halting of the process was overruled by INEC. INEC have rigged the 2023 elections and we are completely dissociating ourselves from it and we know what to do next. We're live in Nigeria as Labour Party's Peter Obi sweeps two key states so far. We'll take a look at official results declared in seven out of 36 states so far with Bola Tinubu getting 55% of the votes. Meanwhile, here in Ghana, our own Electoral Commission Chairperson, Jean Mensah, is readying to appear before Parliament in what is being touted as an impending showdown tomorrow over the controversial uh, document that would now, if passed, the CI will make the Ghana card the sole identity document to register as a voter. We believe that it is not time for the Electoral Commission to rely solely on the Ghana card as the identification document. The Electoral Commission is hell-bent on disenfranchising millions of Ghanaians from participating in the democratic process. And in business, Finance Ministry targets payments of coupons and principles that have matured on the old bonds not later than 13th of March 2023. And in sports, Ghana Football Association has approved requests for Hearts of Folks League fixture against Kotoko to double as game for the President's Cup. That's and more in tonight's edition of Newsnight. Please do well to join us with your thoughts and comments via WhatsApp 055 If you're watching live on Facebook, also on myjoyonline.com, you can leave your comments there. And my name is Evans Mensah. I am MFA Paul. And we start uh, tonight uh, in uh, Wenchike, uh, where violence has uh, led to many fleeing. The numbers of doses placed, we're learning tonight, has hit more than 600 people. Now the intervention of the Yana is being urgently sought by the Regional Security Council. They need him now, they say, to quell the conflict in Wenchike and Tripoli communities in the Northeast region. That's the appeal of the Regional Minister, Yidana Zakari, after meeting with chiefs and elders uh, in a tour of the troubled sports earlier today. Ten suspects are remanded, have been remanded now for their involvement in the clashes which left four people dead and about 600 now, we understand, have been displaced. We'll hear from the regional minister shortly. But first, listen to the district chief executive, Hajja Zuera Ratu Nashiru, uh, telling Joy News the uh, ten suspects have now been arrested. Um, as a result of what we went through in Wancheke, and uh, it's all because they were found around as suspects of uh, people who were 
you know, making phone calls and directing as to how uh, people should come out and, and uh, you know, uh, shoot each other. So it was based on that security arrested them. Um, they have since been sent to uh, Yendi and they were arranged and, you know, uh, put behind bars for two weeks. They are to reappear, I think, uh, uh, next month. So I do not have uh, the details of what charges may be leveled against them. You know, until they do the thorough interrogations, we will not know that. Well, so that's uh, the D.C. for the area. Let's bring in our correspondent, Ilya Sutanko, monitoring uh, events today. They've been with the Regional Security Council after, as they tour uh, the area and also asked for the intervention of the Yana. So, Ilya what exactly are they hoping that the Yana would do in this situation? Well, they are hoping that the Yana will speak to the chief of Wanchiki uh, to um, resolve that particular issue. Uh, what we are understanding is that the chief of Wenchiki uh, was the one who was doing the experiment on Thursday that resulted in this particular gun battle. So the Security Council is asking that the Yana and the Mampugo overlord intervene this particular matter uh, to speak to the chief of Wenchiki because we understand he intends to do more experiments in the coming days. So they are hoping that the Yana in the Mamprugo Overlord will speak to the chief of Wenchiki to stop this particular incident. What has been the response of the Yana to all this? Well, the Yana hasn't spoken uh, in this particular issue. Uh, this is uh, this just came up in a meeting the regional security council held uh, with the paramount chief of Chiriponi, who actually is calling for the arrest of the chief of Wanchike and all those behind uh, the Thursday incident. So yes, the Yana hasn't spoken on this particular matter. Let's take a look at um, the communities that you visited today with the Regional Security Council led by the Regional Minister. Tell us about the states of these communities so far. Well, we know that the violence started in the Wanchike community. As we speak, we are currently in the Wanchike community. It's almost a uh, ghost town. Uh, many people have deserted that the particular community. Uh, I can see a lot of shops, a lot of houses burnt, and uh, we understand about 500 people have been displaced in this particular community. Uh, we understand they are currently staying, some of them are currently staying with their relatives uh, in the district capital, Cherpone, but also in neighboring communities in the Union district. Uh, we also visited the Changu community, uh, this particular community, the entire community has been burned down. Uh, um, we understand over 200 people are displaced in this particular community. Uh, we saw that food staff uh, and animals have also been burned in this particular uh, violence. Uh, the people uh, have lost their source of water uh, because according to them, those who attack them, that is where their source of water is and they have been asked not to come there and first water. So we're shown a very dirty water where the people are now relying on. And they are also saying that uh, they need food because we saw a hundred of food stuff that was burned. And they are saying that uh, in the next two weeks, if they didn't get any intervention, there will be serious anger 
in that particular community. When we went to that particular community, we saw palpable tension. The people were very angry because all the four people that were killed in this particular violence came from this particular uh, community. And so they were, in the presence of the regional minister, uh, they vowed that if nothing is done to do the, the, the perpetrators, they were going to exact revenge. And so it's really a very difficult situation uh, in these communities where the violence erupted. So thankfully, we are told about 10 suspects being grabbed, but listening to the regional minister and what the residents have been saying, do you get the sense that is the situation that the regional security council have under control? Well, not at all, because um, the 10 persons that um, were arrested, according to the district chief executive, they were not directly involved in the shooting. Uh, they were arrested because they were suspected to have uh, been given direction to those who were doing the shooting. And what uh, the, the impression that we get uh, with the regional security council is that these communities are calling for the arrest of uh, the heads or traditional heads of these communities that attack them. And so they are calling for the arrest of the chief of Wintiki and four other communities that they said attack their communities. They said this is the only way that will bring peace in this area. We're grateful. That's our correspondent, Iliasu Tanko, there. We can hear from the regional minister, Ida Nazaka. He's appealing uh, for the intervention of the Yana, like we've been saying. He's also assuring that masterminds behind this conflict will be brought to book. Haven't seen what has happened. I'm here to condole with them. Share with them the difficult times they are going through. Give them assurance that we stand with them. Those behind this action will be punished. It doesn't matter who they are, whether they are political leaders, traditional authorities, or whatever. Nobody is above the law. We will take to appeal to them to remain calm. They are the victims of the aggression. And they should trust that the law will take its course. So that's the Northeast Regional Minister, Idana Zakari there. Meanwhile, the European Union says it is, it is training uh, security agencies, including the military, to effectively tackle conflicts and to check a possible influx of insurgency, which is on the rise in neighboring Burkina Faso. We can, head off, um, we can hear from the head of the European Union mission to Ghana, Ichad Razali, speaking on foreign affairs on the Joy News Channel with Blazard Suga. Uh, the European Union support to Ghana and other neighboring countries to prevent the consequences of the spillover of terrorist activities. We are currently supporting um, the Ghanaian uh, border system. We have an active cooperation with uh, the uh, services in charge of uh, immigration currently. So this is what we call the SBS uh, project. But we have another project directly linked to this prevention uh, dimension, which is called NORPREVSEC. We are active together with a different set of actors at local level, traditional authorities, um, um, NCCE and uh, regional authorities uh, to prevent and to ensure local mediation, prevent potential radicalization. We are as well active, not we will, we are currently active in supporting counter-terrorism uh, assets of the country. We are training, 
the military and the police, and we are handing over equipment like drones, so on and so forth. No later than uh, two weeks ago, have, we are not sitting on our hands, uh, and we are working as well in order to enhance and increase our support in those areas because the challenges are high. Mm. So that's uh, the European head of mission there interacting with my colleague, Blessed Soga. And we want to take you to Nigeria now where it's been a tight race in its elections that started on Saturday. And now we're getting a clearer picture emerging now of the initial results from a third of the 36 states officially declared an MFA um, from what we're reading on the uh, INEC website. Uh, it is clear that the ruling party's Bola Tinubu has a strong lead currently, uh, followed closely uh, by the main opposition candidate Atiku Abubakar mm-hmm. in second place and followed by the Labour Party's Peter Obi. Well, so as we speak, we have uh, results declared in 12 states. Uh, our in-house data analyst uh, joins us in studio. There's been a lot happening today at the National Coalition Centre. We'll take you there. Uh, there have been walkouts from uh, the opposition parties, amongst others about hold-up, ma- raising concerns about manipulation and vote-rigging allegations, amongst others. But let's take a look at the results as mm. we have it so far. Kofi, what does it look like? Well, so live data from Reuters website. We have 15 out of 36 uh, coming together and then Tunibu has 4.26 million uh, Atiku follows second place with 3.2 million and Obi 1.77 million 12 states out of 36 15, 15, 15 out, out of 36, 36 yeah. so far okay. do, do you have percentages that just gives us a a sense of you know who's this. I am. I'm looking at the BBC page that sort mm. of gives you a certain breakdown, and they they put uh, Peter. I, a lot of people up in Ghana are very, very interested in the Peter Obi yeah. story yeah. because of the yeah. uh, description of his party and himself as a third force. Uh, BBC puts him at seven point seven eight percent percent of the of the total votes. Uh, Bola Tidubu is at fifty five point four four percent. And Atiku Abubakar is at 31.4%. So the gap between... Absolutely. It is very, very significant. The actual data that we mentioned here. But there's a caution, though, Mm -hmm. um, that I want to put out as far as the BBC's reporting of this is concerned. And most of the results in so far are from the Tinubu strongholds. Mm -hmm. So it is too early to predict a winner at this stage. Because we have about one-third, you know, of the... The entire 36 not in yet, so it's too early uh, to know who is leading or to know who is likely to win the election. Okay, well, thank you. Keep monitoring uh, events for us, um, Kofiji. Well, so I was telling you earlier about activities at the National Coalition Centre, and uh, we know that um, there were some walkouts from uh, the various um, opposition political parties, raising concerns about beavers and uh, raising also uh, concerns about manipulation and vote rigging. But the National Election Commission. INEC has been responding to these allegations. They've debunked it, um, insisting the allegations are false. We know that about 10 political parties, including the Labour Party, that's Peter B's party, and PDP, earlier asked the INEC to halt the national coalition process in order to resolve all the claims of manipulation of vote. We can listen to the pitch of these parties earlier. I'm a person who values the integrity of our system. But when there are doubts, it's important we all come up on one page. Sir, the desire of most Nigerians is that this process should be seen as free, fair, and transparent. I have been in contact with several agents 
of our parties across the country. Now, the fact is that results uploaded from polling units in a number of states are not what is being collected. Sir, please, hearken to the cry and the voice of political parties. Don't look at any pressure. We know you can handle this. After all, when forces we are trying to remove your assigned chairman, we stood by you. If there are areas where there are discrepancies, I know you have the powers to review. It is um, surprising that political parties who are supposed to be fighting now are in unison saying the same thing. There is no point progressing in error, Mr. Chairman. We are racing to nowhere. This election started on Saturday. Today is almost over. I insist, in line with my colleagues here, that we get it right. I said the voice of the people is the voice of God. Those of us who spoke from this angle are representatives of the political parties that participated in this election. And it is only responsible for INEC to listen to. I have just done a little research. You have promised Nigeria 68 times that beavers will work. And my brother, Barista Fessos Okoye, after I checked using Google Machine, I promised Nigeria 118 times that beavers will work. We want to see it work and working by going to the portal to see all these results. I will also correct the impression when it was said that the political parties are in unison. We are not in unison with, excuse me, Mr. Senator Melai and Right Honorable, with all respect, kindly let me speak. We are not in unison with them. A lot has been, a lot of law has been procured, preferred, and quoted here, most especially Section 65, which says the Commission shall have the powers. These powers have been conferred on the Commission by statute, and it is the discretion of the Commission to exercise its powers as it deems fit. We should let the process run its course. So my appeal is for the Commission to proceed and make the results available if we are not satisfied, we will approach the election tribunal. Well, representatives from CSOs also had an intervention. Chairman, the, um, please, please. This is... Um, no, I'm, I know I'm not a politician and I don't intend to be one. But we all have a stake and we all have a voice. Let me appeal to our politicians to please... Calm down. The soul of this nation is in this hall today. And any individual that inflames this nation and create chaos, history will not forgive you. I don't like what has happened as an individual. But let's respect the law and let the law take its course. Well, we cannot hear from the INEC chairman himself, Professor Mahmoud Yakubu, first taking time to address all the allegations. But I'm going to comment on three issues. The first one, which was the starting point of all this lengthy conversation, 
is over the allegation of overvoting in the result presented yesterday from HT State. What is overvoting? Where the total number of votes cast is higher than the number of accredited voters. Based on the original of the document signed by a party agents at state level and the spreadsheet before me, there was no overvoting in a kitty state. The total number of accredited voters is 315,058. That is what is in, on the authentic document. Any other figure that shows anything at variance with this did not emanate from the commission. We provided a detailed breakdown of the scores by political parties across the board. Towards the end of the spreadsheet, we provided three columns. The first column is total, is total valid votes. And that is 308,171. Total rejected votes, 6,301. Total votes cast, valid are rejected. 314,472, which is actually lower than 315,058. Let me recap. Total number of accredited voters, 315,058. Total votes cast, both valid and invalid, is 314,472. There is no overvoting. When you compare the total number of votes cast and the number of accredited voters, if there is anything, you may actually say that, that, that there was undervoting, not overvoting. So that's uh, the INEC uh, chairman there. Uh, he also denied the party's uh, request for an entire collection to be halted. My second response is, are the figures consistent from what transpired at the polling units and what was uploaded or ought to have been uploaded to the IRF portal? I am satisfied that the figures on this spreadsheet emanated from the process that transpired at the polling units. The polling units are the only places where citizens vote. Whatever you do thereafter is just collection of results. And we have provided the vote scored by each political party. However, if any political party believes that the figures they have from the hard copies of the results given by their polling agents at the level of collation that the figures are inconsistent with what has been provided on the spreadsheet that we projected yesterday. I would like 
that political party to forward the information to the Commission so that we can speak on the basis of facts. I like the suggestion made that the Commission has power under the Electoral Act to review results, but that power is contingent upon one procedure. The process has to be concluded first before you can then talk about power to review. I want to assure political parties that any evidence that you have of any alleged wrongdoing at any level of the process, whether it's at the polling unit or at coalition level, please forward this information. And I promise you, as soon as the process is concluded, we'll then do the review as provided by law. On this note, I beg you to, for us to proceed with the process. Thank you very much. I mean, so this is the uh, chairman of the INEC, the you know, representative and equivalent of the Electoral Commission mm -hmm. chairman of Nigeria. After he did this, the parties staged a walkout. They left the place, didn't they? Yes, they did, um, raising concerns about why he was not ready to halt the process uh, for them to resolve all the concerns that they've raised. A number of them, up to 10 of them, and um, they addressed the media. Senator Milai is a PDP representative that spoke on behalf of the parties. We party agents haven't observed that the national chairman of INEC is determined to rig the election by making sure that results are not uploaded, by vehemently making a presentation that makes it look as if we are all here to rubber stamp the fraud that has been cooked between INEC and APC. We are saying that we are not here to rubber stamp the electoral fraud that have been prepared by INEC and APC. We are Nigerians and we all know that there is nowhere on the server that results have been uploaded. It's now saying we should wait for the process to be completed. But the political parties here stage a workout to express the unfortunate uh, politicization and commercialization of our electoral process. How many of the parties are staging a workout? We are about nine, ten of us here. Understand? And we are saying that INEC is compromised, APC have influenced INEC, and we can see results are being changed. What is difficult in the INEC chairman? showing the uploaded results so that we can compare and interrogate that with the presentation that is made by the uh, state uh, returning officers. INEC have rigged the 2023 elections and we are completely dissociating ourselves from it and we know what to do next. This sounds very, very similar. I've had this before somewhere <laughs> in another country, very close, you know, close to, to us, and you know, close to Nigeria, in the, in the sub region. Do you know that country? I don't. You don't know that. You country. are the head of the political desk. Which yes, country is that? If you're listening to us, and you know the country that you know. This what you hear. It sounds very, very familiar. Please send us a WhatsApp zero five five one 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 nine nine seven. But listen, so the opposition parties uh, and generally left accusing the INEC of uh, conspiring mm -hmm. with the governing party to rig the elections again sounds very fam familiar. Very very familiar. Um, if you've heard that, you send a WhatsApp. It didn't <laughs> stop. It did not stop the the coalition, the process. coalition process from con uh, continuing.
They are independent observers, though, and we are interested to know what they've also been observing. Uh, the ECOWAS uh, sent a mission there, and in their statement, they acknowledge uh, the high level of citizen mobilization, advocacy, and sensitization that uh, you know preceded the elections, and so they are very happy uh, with that sort of uh, engagement. We're also waiting to hear the voter turnout as far as this is concerned. They did some, a careful analysis of information received from the observers deployed, and they made a, f- a few findings that the late start of voting mm-hmm. uh, beyond 8.30 was an issue. That's one of the key things they've noted. Uh, unavailability of sufficient quantities of electoral materials. Again, this sounds very familiar. Uh, if you know the place, it sounds familiar. <laughs> you know, please just send us a message. The visible presence of security agents uh, discharging their duties in, in accordance with the provisions of the law in some polling units. However, they were inadequate. Mm-hmm. Uh, security was inadequate. And this is the independent observer mission from ECOWAS. Again, polling uh, officials and ad hoc staff demonstrated inadequate knowledge of their duties. Agents of the major political parties, uh, that is the APC, the, the PDP, the LP, the Labour Party, uh, were present in most of the polling stations. Uh, there was a use of uh, indelible ink, which was observed, mm-hmm. all votes were requested, all voters were requested to present their uh, permanent voters' cards. Priority was given to vulnerable persons, which is good, they noted. And the setup of most of the polling units uh, visited did not adequately protect the secrecy of the voting process. We've seen videos of people showing who they voted for, the presence of international observers from the uh, AU, the EU, etc., and other local observer missions in polling stations was also noted. Uh, voter turnout was generally low mm-hmm. in most of the polling stations they visited. Polls closed in most parts of the uh, of the country, uh, stipulated by the INEC of 2.30 p.m. And then the prospective voters in the queue uh, continue to vote, which is part of the law. Um, however, the collation sequence deferred from polling station to polling station. So although they had a clear rule to guide the uh, collations, they, they, they saw some differences there. Okay. And there was a cooperative and non-adversarial relationship between electoral officials and party agents. There was also cases of BVAS failure, and that is the equivalent of our you know, uh, electronic verification machines uh, in some centers as well. But there were also incidents that they recorded they, an attack on the perpetrated by perpetrated by Boko Haram insurgents in Goza local government and in other areas that they also observed. So there's a first preliminary statement also from the EU. Uh, that's the European Union Election Observer Mission. Um, similar concerns they raised. So they mentioned that the introduction of the BVAS and the IRF for the 2023 elections was perceived to be an important step to ensuring the integrity and credibility of the elections. However, delayed training of technical personnel as inadequate mock testing exercise and a lack of public information on the election technologies diminished expectations and left room for speculation and and uncertainty, just portions of that. Also, the Commonwealth Observers also released a statement describing the elections as largely peaceful. The chairperson of the um, group, that's the former South African president, Tabu Mbeki, said people were largely accorded their constitutional right to vote. However, he did highlight challenges, namely some polling units being ill-equipped with sufficient lighting and recommended INEC sets up a post-election review of everything that has happened so far. Well, we have um, election 
observer missions there. We've been hearing from Peter McMain, who is with the uh, Democratic Union of Africa. He spoke about polling agents who were hired to be at post hours to the elections and how unprepared they were, maintaining that INEC did a commendable job. Oh, yes. I went to police units. I saw police agents, but they didn't even have a pen or paper with them. So what were they observing or monitoring as police agents on behalf of their candidates? I, I don't get it. So this IREV matter too. Mm-hmm. The IREV is the resources that has been captured by the beavers and transmitted on a portal for public viewing. But when the results are released at the polling units, polling agents are supposed to get their copies. After all, they sign the results before it will be posted and transmitted on the portal. So where are their copies? Mm. Where are their copies? And I think that if they could get their copies in a smart way, in an accurate and speedily, they could challenge the electoral commission if mm-hmm. or using the debate. So that's uh, uh, our own Mark Menu with the NPP there. He's on the ground helping with the observer uh, mission. He also had key lessons uh, for Ghana ahead of the 2024 elections. You know that Nigeria has 90-something million registered voters. But they closed their election at 2.30 p.m. They start at 8, 8.30 in the morning and close at 2.30. Ghana has to close our elections at 3 o'clock at IPAC. That's the recommendation we gave to the Electoral Commission, that we should close early so that we can have adequate sunlight, daylight, to count the votes and collect, rather than darkness and associated crimes and violence that may go with it. And that's uh, Peter McMenu there. Uh, after business, we'll return to Ghana and talk about our own peculiar challenges with the Electoral Commission. As you know, the uh, Electoral Commission chairperson, Jin Mensa, is now preparing to appear before Parliament tomorrow with the controversial uh, NIA subject of using the Ghana card as the sole identity document to register as a voter. Uh, that will begin for 2024. We believe that it is not time for the Electoral Commission to rely solely on the Ghana card as the identification document. The Electoral Commission is hell-bent on disenfranchising millions of Ghanaians from participating in the democratic process. Details of that after business with George. Hello, George. Hi, Evans, and the Finance Ministry targets resumption of coupon payment for maturing old bonds and principles by 13th March 2023. And Ghana makes some another significant progress in getting the international creditors to support its debt restructuring program as well as cancellation. The business news on Newsnight is brought to you by MTN Business. Welcome to the new world of business, Alliance Live and Ghana Pay.
See the plenty money you are carrying this early morning. Are they? Mm, Charlie, he'll you some more. he you do what? As for you, you wait and listen to all the information before you start carrying money up and down like we are in 1995. The he you there, it has come. But you know, MTN will always find a way to sort you out. Ah, sort me out, Sensei. Oh, so you don't know that when you transfer money between your personal accounts, cash in and cash out at agent points, buy airtime or data, pay bills, receive remittance from abroad, or even pay taxes, there are no e-levy charges? Hey, we are sure. Listen, there are a number of transactions you can perform with your MTM Mumu that are not affected by the e-levy tax rule. Hmm. And there's even more, cra. Remember your first 100 Ghana City transfer for the day is free too. Hey, not me anymore. <laughs> now, dear, you know. There are a number of transactions you can perform with your MTN Momo that are not affected by the e-levy tax. So keep enjoying the security and convenience with MTN Momo and make payments on the go with MTN Momo. MTN. Son, we are so proud of you for setting up this hospital. I really love those hospital beds and waiting chairs. By the way, did you import them? No, Dad, I didn't. I actually got them from Kindle Books and Stationery right here in Ghana. Wow. We also bought our office supplies, safes, executive desks, and chairs from Kingdom, and they gave us expert advice on how to set up our office. Guys, that makes three of us. I also got our sofa and bedroom sets, plus our dining hall furniture for our new home from Kingdom. Wow, Mom, that makes four of us. I usually get my stationery items from Kingdom. And my teacher also mentioned that our classroom furniture was provided by Kingdom. So there you have it. Whenever you're thinking about setting up an office or acquiring furniture for your home, etc., Kingdom Books and Stationery should be your first point of call. With over 40 years' experience in the industry, we stock and supply a wide variety of globally sourced office and home furniture, stationery, and equipment. Visit our head office, Osu Akwaje, or our office near the Osu Stadium. We're also in Tema Committee 1, opposite Olam SHF, Kumase KNUSD Campus, UC. Cape Coast and now at the Marina Mall Airport City or call us 0302 764101 Life's battles during retirement are not won by the strongest. Sooner or later, those who win are those who prepare for it. Ensuring your future is your responsibility to your family and loved ones. Progress Trustees, a company that guarantees a cheerful life of retirement for both formal and informal sector workers. The Progress Occupational Pension Scheme, the Progress Provident Fund Scheme, and the Progress Personal Pension Scheme helps you achieve peace of mind during retirement. We also provide administration services for employer-sponsored schemes, including staff welfare schemes seeking to outsource their day-to-day administration of their second-tier occupational pension and third-tier provident fund scheme. Start your journey to your envisaged quality life during retirement by contacting us on 0504-368-048 on our website, www.progresstrusteesgh.com. Progress Trustees, a joyous retirement begins here. Welcome back to Business on News Night. Let's now settle for the details. The Finance Ministry has announced that the plans resumption of uh, payment of coupons on maturing bonds or with the old ones by March 13, 2023. Now, this was captured in a statement issued by the Finance Ministry earlier today. The new date will afford government an opportunity to finalize the necessary administrative process before closing the page when it comes to the domestic debt exchange program. The ministry has also indicated plans to use new bonds issued to restructure interest payment regime for the country. Well, let's hear the thoughts of finance lecturer at the University of Ghana Business, the University of Chemical Business School, Seram Kara. 
the reader statement is welcoming news for bondholders mm. and it's going to work hard uh, work in such a way that uh, our external bondholders will also uh, fit into the entire arrangement the entire issue of in, uh, the coupon rates that culminates into the interest rates that we find in the country are very high. And so the first statement, as we have stated, is that once we are able to ensure that we are now having a rate between 10 and 15 percent, that will become the benchmark value for bonds that will be issued and for any other fixed income rates that we have in the country. And that one way or the other is going to affect the treasury bill rates that we see currently. That will also ensure that government will not borrow unnecessarily and pay so much interest on this amount of money. This arrangement, as we have done successfully, will send signal to the IMF and then the international community is that, that uh, government of Ghana is committed to ensuring that the right thing is done. Sir Mkawa is a lecturer at the University of Cape Coast Business School. Now the country is making some progress in getting its international creditor to support its uh, possible debt cancellation program. Now this was after another major international grouping, that is G20, agreed to establish a creditors committee to look into Ghana's request. There is more in this business text report. For some the development can be described as quite significant in the country's request to secure commitment from its international creditors on participating in the debt exchange program. This is because after the Paris Club of International Creditors agreed to set up a creditors committee on Ghana's debt cancellation request, another grouping, that is the G20, have also agreed on a similar move. The action also demonstrates the commitment by these international creditors which includes some of the developed countries, that they are committed to the process in helping restructure Ghana's debt stock to sustainable levels going forward. This is because for some, this is what the IMF needs before it can proceed to approve Ghana's request for an economic program. However, this buying from these developed countries to reprofile Ghana's debt or possible cancellation will not come easy. This is because some of these countries are already putting forward some demands or call its conditions before they take steps to cancel Ghana's debt stock. Some of them include restructuring the country's revenue mobilization system and also ensuring that consumers pay realistic tariffs going forward. The country's debts to these international creditors ended December last year stood at $29 billion. The Paris Club accounted for about 1.9 billion Ghana cities. Debts owed the multilateral stood at $8.1 billion. China, which owed the largest debt by a single country, pulls the estimates at around $1.7 billion. And that is the business tax report. Now, in a related development, the finance ministry has stated that the global ratings agency, that is SMP's local currency ratings for selective defaults, has been reviewed to CCC+. Now, this acknowledges what government says is the completion of the domestic debt exchange program with the successful delivery of new securities uh, to these bondholders. Now, for government, it sees this action as efforts. So, what is being undertaken in this country being appreciated by these international agencies going forward and what this will mean for the economy.
Now the Ghana city has picked up strongly against the U.S. dollar after some days of decline against the greenback. It closed last Friday with a rate of depreciation against the dollar improving significantly. Some market analysts are linking it to improved liquidity support coming from the Bank of Ghana. Now this helped the city to gain some grounds on the interbank market with the commercial banks you're likely to get 12 Ghana cities, 95 pesos as transaction rates for the dollar. Well, if you should turn to the Forex Bureau, you would need about 13 Ghana cities, 20 pesos to the dollar. Now, the Chamber of Petroleum Consumers have maintained that the best form of helping drive down the prices of petroleum products is the stability of the Ghana city. Now, Duncan Amor has maintained that he doesn't believe that the gold for oil program is the best option in addressing the current challenges with prices of petroleum products. It's coming as the Chamber actually projects that there will be some significant reduction in prices of petroleum products from the 1st of March this year. Let's hear Duncan Amor on his thoughts. Day. If you recall in November, December, uh, the Bank of Ghana through its um, the Forex Exchange uh, 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 regulatory framework was able to reduce the city's uh, depreciation uh, and rather measure again. Within that period, you saw fuel prices uh, reduce, both petrol and diesel reduced by averages of seven Ghana cities a litre. Uh, and that had nothing to do with any gold for oil program. So there's a proven uh, uh, procedure, there's a proven solution that stands to benefit every Ghanaian. Mm. You wonder why the Bank of Ghana would not be made to focus on these proven uh, solutions, but rather... And Duncan was the Executive Secretary of the Chamber of Petroleum Consumers. And that's all for business on Newsnight. Back to you, Evans. We're still waiting to see what happened in Nigeria. Interesting results and interesting dynamics. Mm, I will get uh, fresh results tomorrow. Uh, thank you very much, George. Now, um, a few of your messages on our social media platforms, particularly on WhatsApp, Evans and MFA. Why do these politicians always accuse the electoral commissioner when the pendulum uh, doesn't swing in their favor? Our dear country is no exception. May God help us. Well, we have one from Positive Change in Medina. It says it's just amazing how the Nigerian INEC is supervising an election of over 90 million plus voters and making sure nobody's disenfranchised while in Ghana. Okay. Um, it talks about. Um, our own system um, that we operate. And then Akonsi Garaba from Tamale says, listening to the Nigerian politician parties uh, threatening to reject the election results should come down and accept the outcome of the election results. So politicians in Africa should learn how to win elections at the polling stations and stop tormenting citizens after every election in Africa. And you asked the question earlier about which country all this, um, you know, sounds like. People have uh, a good guess, huh? Yeah. Uh, this one from Claudia <laughs> And Kaswa says, I mean Ghana. Yeah, Evans, I mean that Ghana. country is our own GH. And Sami um, Kumasi says, democracy is not a business meant for Africans. When will free and fair elections be held in Africa? And Lincoln in Akutiman says, if you don't want the international community to meddle in our affairs, stay home and manage the economy mm. well. Some uh, of your messages. Those are your views on the subject of the Nigerian elections. Talking about elections, we are mm-hmm. counting down now to that showdown in parliament tomorrow. When 
when the our own chairperson of the electoral commission madame jimensa is scheduled to appear before the house on this controversial subject of a constitutional instrument that will mandate the use of the ghana card as the sole identity document for registering to vote now the ndc is tonight renewing its stance that they will not accept that particular policy and its implementation, the CI, among others, uh, will ensure that if you turn 18 and you want to vote next year, the only card you can use is a Ghana card. On Saturday, the NDC MP for Borga East, Dr. Dominica Yine, revealed a news file that up to 3.5 million cars belonging to the NIA and its partners have been seized due to government's indebtedness to the tune of $100 million. The banks that loaned IMS, you know, money to print, uh, I mean, uh, to help in the printing of the, the production of the cars, actually placed an embargo on the cars that were produced. And these cars were placed in a bonded warehouse. And so currently, um, the government had to cough up 82 million, 2 million uh, Ghana cities in order for those cars to be released from the bonded warehouse to NIA. Okay, so as we speak, that is just $9 million, right? That is a drop in the ocean because I know that IMF, Identity Management Systems, I mean, uh, the company, the private partner, is owed in excess of $100 million. So if you pay the company uh, $9 million, you've, you've done nothing. Well, there was a confirmation of this claim by the executive secretary himself of the National Identification Authority, Dr. Kenatifwa, on the same show, explaining that government is working around the clock to settle the debt. Since about August of last year, we have experienced uh, financial constipation in the system, and it's created a situation where even though we have 3.5 million stock of cards in a bonded warehouse, we are unable to access the cards, and the banks that have been bankrolling this are unable to further bear the cost, and 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 therefore um, had refused to, as it were, release the cards to us. Government yesterday uh, made significant, I mean, made some payments that um, positions us to um, be hopeful that going into next week, cards will be released. Now, when cards are released, 541,529,000 cards can be printed in less than two weeks. So this has to do with money, a hundred million dollars worth of it. Apparently, the finance minister was in parliament last week and was scheduled to address this particular challenge, uh, but was unable because of the scaffold that ensued as parliament debated the, the, the constitutional instrument. Uh, this is the speaker, Alban Babwe, uh, talking about it. outstanding indebtedness mm. is the reason why we believe that it is not time the time is the electoral commission and the national identification authority but looking at the challenges that they earlier articulated to a number of your committees and particularly when the ec met me they also articulated some issues we thought that it was important for the minister for finance to be available because the issues bordered on budgets, resources, logistics, and the creation of additional cost centers. So we wanted the minister to be available at the committee of the whole to discuss with you how they were going to get the necessary resources, the money, to be able to make sure that this thing is implemented. Failing that, were to prevail on the EC to add to the CI some clauses that could, in the meantime, take care 
of these challenges. And that is where the grantor uh, clause was being asked to be inserted in case at the end of the day, we couldn't get the EC, uh, the NIA, to provide the, the ID cards to a larger, we're looking at about 90% or something, of qualified or eligible voters in the country. That was the purpose for the Committee of the Whole. Well, with the uh, Electoral Commission chairperson now scheduled to appear tomorrow, we're hearing already from the minority members in the House who are insisting that nothing short of a complete withdrawal uh, will be tolerated. James Agaga is a ranking member of the Defence and Interior Committee in Parliament. It's not right for the Electoral Commission to rely solely on the Ghana card as the um, identification document, sole identification document for purposes of registering for the upcoming elections. Mm. Look, as you rightly put it, 3.5 million of those cards are in the possession of those who printed them. And why are they keeping those cards? They are keeping them because the National Identification Authority hasn't got money to pay for them. It's as simple as that. And so when you have an EC which pretends that the National Identification Authority is not challenged and that it is only their documents that can be used for purposes of registering for the upcoming elections, mm. then it, it becomes obvious to you that the Electoral Commission is hell-bent on disenfranchising millions of Ghanaians from participating in the democratic process. The linkage stems from the fact that the Electoral Commission intends through its proposed CI to rely solely on the Ghana card as the mode of identification for purposes of registering those who are qualified to vote for the, you know, compiling a register for the upcoming elections. And so you find that these two institutions are supposed to work in tandem. And so where the NIA is faced with challenges, and we have time with that number made it very clear. In, in, in most parts of this country, people queue, they simply just can't access the NIA. And so, and so it's important that the challenges that bedevil the NIA are dealt with before anybody dreams of using the Ghana card as a sole identification document for purposes of registering for uh, our national elections. Yeah, but, but so that are, is the point we have emerging, to take in the parliament. Yeah, but why are you not being fair to the Electoral Commission when they say, well, uh, we started and commenced our processes way before uh, these challenges came up with the NIA? Right from day one, the EC was aware that the National Identification Authority has challenges. Well, this is the minority's position on the matter, and we'll see what happens in Parliament tomorrow. However, the Electoral Commission has been explaining how come mm -hmm. Madame Jimensa 
wasn't able to appear before the House last week. What do we know? So they insist that there was no disrespect um, of Parliament by Madame Jean Mensah and that um, the, when the invitation came, at the time the chairperson, um, the invitation came, they said he had travelled to Nigeria at the invitation of ECOWAS, ECONEC for a peer exchange and election observer mission of the elections ongoing. Surprisingly, they said the meeting was cancelled as the minority side insisted on the presence of the EC chairperson at the meeting and that they wished to state that contrary to the news item that the EC chair has returned to Ghana. The chairperson is still in Nigeria. She has not returned to Ghana and we're hoping to see what happens uh, tomorrow if she indeed um, she would attend upon uh, that invitation of parliament. Well, we'll see. The last week uh, you weren't here it was butu butu <laughs> in parliament. I heard, I heard. It was blows. So yeah, uh, we'll see what happens tomorrow. Let's do sports now. Yes, well, even as the Ghana Football Association, they have approved the request by the Ghana League Club Association for the match week 18 fixture between Heart of Folk and Asante Kotokoto double as uh, the game for the President's Cup. The game, which is scheduled for Sunday, the 4th of March at the Craftsworth Stadium, will see the eventual winner and three points as long as well as lifting the commemorative trophy. The chairman of the League Club Association, Kujofiano, he's been explaining and he says the rationale for the decision is purely because of time. Oh, yes, I went to police units. I saw police units, but they didn't even have a pen or paper with them. So because what were they? The GFA, the two clubs, and uh, the seat of government, we've decided that we should use the super clash <laughs> as the President's Cup for this year. Ah. So on Sunday, the super clash between House of Folk and Kotoko will have the element of the President's Cup dovetailed into it. So at the end of 90 minutes, if the score should remain 0-0, zero, zero, the two clubs will have get their one point each. Fiano over there. And that's how we wrap up tonight's edition of News Night. There's more when you log on to myjoyonline.com and prices of petrol diesel to fall between 3.7% and 4.04% per liter. Also, we have live updates in Nigeria election. Tinubu takes early lead. And this evening, we're talking about it more. We're taking you to Nigeria on PM Express. Well, yes, 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 we're going to look at it thoroughly. You want to join us and, and, and see what the implications of the outcome will be for the sub-region. Okay, and we have that's my opinion um, coming up with Nanan Sakao, expensive free SHS. We are talking about it. You want to stay. <laughs>